0: across the week seven board in the NFL right now. Does anything catch your attention?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was one line that I would be betting if, if I could bet this week. And I, I don't know exactly what the line is at all books, but I see it as Browns minus three from when I was looking at against the Indianapolis Colts. And why I really like that is I think this Browns defense is one of the the rare few defenses that we've seen in the past couple of years in the NFL that can completely take over games. And they're getting this Colts team that is starting Gardner Minshew. I really like Minshew. I think he's a great backup quarterback, but that's what he is at the end of the day. And when you get this Browns defense and everything that Jim Schwartz has been doing and how stout the Browns defensive line is and the synergy that they have with the back end, I really like, I'm just really excited about what they can do to this Colts offense. And then you you turn over to the, the Browns offense and it hasn't been pretty for them the most of the season, but the run game has started to look a lot better with uh, you know, after a little bit of a dip with the Nick Chubb injury, now that they're leaning more on Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt. And then you're hoping to get Deshaun Watson back for this game, who hasn't played well but has been better than the backup quarterbacks that they've rolled out. So I really like the Browns in this spot.
0: All right. I hear you on that one. I haven't got to the window with Cleveland yet, but I think you might like where I have gotten to the window so far this week i am giving an endorsement to your detroit lions catching three points that plus three at minus 115 so slightly increased vig on this one but i still like it and i'll get to why i still like it for starters this has been a fascinating game to watch the market the lions at the ravens a lot of sharp two-way action in what should be a really fascinating matchup come sunday and I'll just say that a lot of people who I've come to know and trust in this space have sided with Detroit plus three in this one Las Vegas Chris on the bet us NFL show Steve Fezzik and basically everybody alongside him on the dream preview podcast, as well as sharp Clark on the move the line podcast. And in a nutshell, a lot of the handicap comes down to Detroit simply being the better team than the Ravens right now, and home field advantage not being worth three points in the NFL anymore. So that in and of itself would imply that there's value on Detroit here. And one point that Sharp Clark brought up as well is that both of these defenses, you could argue, are overrated. They faced some pretty soft opposition so far this season. But I think we've got a pretty decent barometer for Detroit, as Clark put it by looking at the fact that the lions have held every opponent except for Seattle significantly below their season average for offensive Mm -hmm. output. So I do think you can make a stronger case that the lions defense is the more genuinely improved unit on the defensive side of the ball in this matchup. So I like this one at plus three minus minus one fifteen as is currently widely available. I'd consider it good with just a touch of wiggle room, Detroit, up to minus 120 on those plus threes would be good in my book. Tej, as a Lions fan, I'm assuming I don't have to pry too much to see what you think about that bet.
1: <laughs> I'm really happy that you and, and a lot of other people are, are on the Lions this week. That that does make me more hopeful. And, and I'm, I'm pretty hopeful going into this game. As someone who's usually pretty pessimistic, I think that the Lions have a good shot to win this game and to cover, like you were talking about, I think when you look at the Lions this year compared to Lions teams of the past, this Lions team is particularly impressive because they're not just winning games by one score and and hoping some variance falls their way, but they have had some pretty dominating performances, especially on the road this season. You think about the opening night when they go into Kansas City and they're able to take advantage of some of the missing pieces that the Chiefs have and come out with that victory because of a huge play by Brian Branch on that pick six. You think about the Thursday night game when they go into green Bay and have this dominant offensive performance when Jared Goff had known to have pretty poor, uh, home to road splits when, when going out of the dome to outside and he played well in that game and the the offense was really well schemed. And then you also think about last week against Tampa Bay, where it was a dominant defensive performance where they held the Buccaneers who were doing pretty well on offense coming into that game. Like you mentioned with, with sharp Clark's point and didn't, and didn't allow them to score a touchdown the whole game. So all all three of those performances make me feel better about the Lions on the road this year. I think that Aaron Glenn as a defensive coordinator finally has players on on both the the defensive line and the back seven that he feels comfortable running pretty innovative schemes with. He's struggled against mobile quarterbacks before, but there's a lot more talent on this defense than pass. So I, I think that he could he could do pretty well against the Ravens offense this week.
0: All right. Well, shortly before the season kicked off, I fired in a flyer on the Browns to win the AFC North. So if you're correct with Cleveland laying three at the Colts, and if I'm correct with Detroit catching the points at Baltimore and perhaps pulling off an outright win, then that would bode well for my Cleveland division future as well. So fingers crossed on that front, but we can move on to teasers right now. And teasers have been on a roll recently. So I'll cut to the chase here as a reminder to anybody who's relatively new to this. Pretty much looking for games that let you cross through the key numbers of three and seven on a standard two-team, six-point teaser. Those are good up to minus 120. A tough find in Las Vegas these days, but more readily available offshore and at least one of the bigger U.S.-regulated sports books. Tej, I'm seeing six fits on the board right now in terms of that model going through the three and the seven. Atlanta can be taken up to plus eight and a half at Tampa Bay. Chicago, plus eight and a half hosting Las Vegas. Buffalo minus two and a half at New England. We're halfway there. Three more to go. New York Giants plus eight and a half hosting Washington. Seattle minus one and a half hosting Arizona. And Miami plus eight and a half at Philadelphia. Between this half dozen or so options, or anything else going outside the box a bit? Again, if you were a betting man right now, anywhere you look as far as teaser opportunities go on the NFL Week 7 board. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that model that you have is is great. And that, that's something that we were talking about before we started recording here was was that type of outlook on these types of teaser legs. Uh, the two that I, I like that you said in particular was Bills minus two and a half. I think this Patriots team is is kind of packed it in for the season. So many injuries on defense and then a pretty poor offense. And this Bill's team is, is very, very good. Uh, even though they've had some bad primetime performances when they played in, in these types of games, like the, the one o'clock slate that they're going to be playing on Sunday, like they they've done really well. I think, I think that both offensively and defensively, they they match up well against the Patriots. And then the other one I like is, is the, the dolphins here. Um, you know, I, I think that the Eagles, that, that game's going to be a dogfight between the Eagles and dolphins, but I can see it kind of leaning into the, the dolphins tail of a situation where that we could see the dolphins end up blowing them out. I don't see as much of a path for the Eagles blowing out the dolphins. So that's why I, I like to be on the dolphin side as well.
0: All right. So we've got on Buffalo minus two and a half at new England with Miami plus eight and a half at Philadelphia. We are seeing eye to eye with one of those legs, and I don't dislike your other leg, but I will explain my stance in a second and why I deviate just a little bit. I often go through a process of elimination when we've got this many teaser options on the table, and when I'm looking to cross teams off, I look at Atlanta right away. That line is shaded toward three for Tampa Bay at Bookmaker, which is a really sharp offshore market making sports book. So that tells me I'm not getting as clean of a path to cross through the three. So a bit of a nudge to pump my brakes on the Falcons for now. With Chicago, there's so much quarterback variance on both teams in this game, and teasers are inherently a bet against variance. You want games Mm -hmm. to stay pretty close to where the pregame point spread is. I don't know which way this is going to go. So I'm going to stay away from Bills or, excuse me, Bears Raiders for now. The Giants, another one where the favorite Washington is currently under a field goal, but they are shaded toward the three. And that line's already at three at Circo, which is probably the sharpest U.S. sports book right now. And then Miami, you touch on liking them. They're the last team I'm going to cross off because once again, the Eagles are shaded toward the three. And also this game has the highest total on the board this mm-hmm. week at 51 and a half. That implies perhaps just a little bit more variance than we'd see in games with lower totals. I love that lower totals magnify the relative value of the six points that you get in a teaser whether a game's lined in the 50s or in the 30s so as people might be able to deduce by the teams that i've crossed off thus far i have landed on buffalo minus two and a half at new england paired with seattle minus one and a half hosting arizona and i love the seahawks leg here i think the seahawks had a misleading outright loss last week at cincinnati they won yards per play by a full yard and a half they were just one for five in the red zone and the Bengals went two for two and the Seahawks lost the turnover battle. I think that that yards per play dominance by Seattle has a lot more signal than the red zone and turnover luck that we saw in that matchup. And on the other side, Seattle taking on Arizona, the wheels seem to be falling off for the Cardinals at this stage. I think they got off to a surprising start, but now they seem to be regressing back toward preseason expectations. So give me Seattle down to minus one and a half. And as noted in pairing it with the Bills, I feel good, but not great about this Bills leg. Because Josh Allen, I mean, he's going to play in this one, but it seems like he's a little bit hampered by a banged-up throwing shoulder. And then road favorites with teasers tend to bring the most variance to the equation relative to any other option of a home or road underdog or a home favorite. It's those road favorites that often present the most variance. San Francisco, the latest example last week for those mm-hmm. of us who got down on the Niners before they were steamed out of teaser territory. I mean, it doesn't matter what number you got on the Niners because they lost that one out, right? I still think with Buffalo in this matchup against the Patriots, we get the vastly superior team in the Bills asking them to win, you know, by by basically any margin, one or two points, not so great. But if we compare the teaser price of minus 120 to a moneyline parlay with favorites like the Seahawks and the Bills, a moneyline parlay is gonna cost you right in the ballpark of minus 170. So yes, it's possible that Seattle or Buffalo win the game by one or two points and the teaser loses, whereas the moneyline parlay would cash. But for the 50 cents or so that you'd save by locking this teaser at minus 120, I think there's enough value there to get in play. Tej, I'm going to shut up for a moment. Any thoughts on uh, not just the Bills angle that you already spoke to, but also looking Seattle's way as a strong teaser candidate this weekend?
1: Yeah, Seattle was actually giving my third option. So I'm glad that you said that one. Um, I, I totally agree with you. When you look at Seahawks Bengals last week, the Seahawks outplayed them and it had some really bad luck in the red zone and, and a couple of issues with their, with their offensive line and, and, you know, but a rare Geno Smith off game uh you know, especially in the red zone. So I think a lot of that positive regression should come back in this game for Seattle. And like you mentioned, like Arizona was Jonathan gain, that coaching staff was churning a lot out of this roster. That's, that's not that good for the first couple of weeks of the season, especially those, those uh, giants and, and Cowboys games. But you're getting to a point now where you just don't have the depth to compete with other teams that are deeper like the Seahawks are. And the Seahawks secondary is playing so well right now and, and can kind of take away some of the things that, that Joshua Dobbs likes to do. So I I like that angle as well. And then when you look at, at Bill's Patriots a little bit more, the crazy thing is like, you think about Bill Belichick as this quarterback that, or sorry, this um, defensive coordinator that has like shut down quarterbacks in his division continually for years. Josh Allen, for some reason, breaks his defenses. Uh, you think about the playoff game, the wild card round, where Josh Allen scored on every single possession, and that has continued going from Brian Dable to Ken Dorsey. Like I think that Belichick's defenses don't match up well against the Bills, which is which is more of a reason to like them in that game, also.
0: And I'll note, if you're feeling particularly bullish on Buffalo and then the case that you made for Miami, the case that I made for Seattle, it is also an option to look the way of a three team six point teaser. And those generally offer value at plus 160 or better. Some books still even paying out in the plus 170 range. So that's an avenue to consider as well. Tej, we've got some good alignment on the teaser side of things, at least with Buffalo. And when we look at props this week, let's see how aligned we might be as well is there a prop on the NFL week seven board right now that you would care to break down for us?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I have the exact number for it, but um, you know, a prop that I've, I've really liked this year or or just kind of have, have looked at is like Najee Harris under rushing yards or or under Mm -hmm. total yards. I think that we're seeing an increased uh, workload from Jalen Warren, whether it's it's started to come or it's coming as well and then Najee Harris has had some explosive runs this year but when you look at his overall resume as a running back in the NFL that hasn't necessarily translated all the time so i think that we're going to see some regression from him in that regard also
0: yeah and when it comes to not just the handicap cuz i think that you have as much good insight into that as i could dream of having the price really critical. when we're looking at betting on angles like this. And I'm seeing his rushing yards currently pretty widely posted. It looks like he is lined at 51 and a half. So mm-hmm. Teju, when it comes to marrying the handicap, what the price point, what do you think of Najee Harris, potentially a look at under that 51 and a half number for his rushing output Sunday against the Rams?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like that number. I think that when, when the, even though the Steelers offensive line, was, had some improvements over the off season. When you're still going up against an Aaron Donald front, it's it's always going to take away two different gaps that you can run in. And Najee Harris is more of an in-between-the-tackles runner than outside the tackles. So when they're going to have to be using him more on those runs, I, I could I could definitely see him going under that 51.5 number.
0: All right, cool. So Najee Harris under 51.5. And, and I'll note that I, I can't push back on that in any way because I, I think back to last year, Shortly before this point in the season, I remember speaking about Harris Unders with Hitman, who's maybe the best professional prop better that has the public profile. And we saw eye to eye there, and, and everything came through swimmingly when we wanted to fade Harris last year. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that his numbers still might be a bit inflated. I know that there was a lot of hype for him coming into the league, but it just seems like he's also coming in and out of game so much. So even if the Steelers want to feature him, it doesn't seem like that's always an option. And now to your point with Jalen Warren taking more of the workload. Uh, Harris might have to be quite efficient to get mm-hmm. too much north of 51 and a half.
1: Yeah, definitely agree.
0: All right. I will note that while we're talking props right now, I am going to look to weave a little bit and look at a bet from a different standpoint and discuss my first Moneyline parlay of the season with a hat tip to Las Vegas Chris, who spoke to Kansas City to win at home against the Chargers paired with San Francisco to win outright on the road at Minnesota on Monday night and we can consider this one good up to -115 currently available closer to -110 pretty widely and this is pretty similar to teasing favorites down but San Francisco and Kansas City not quite favored by enough at this point to really be in teaser territory but the price reflects that i mean we're getting a nice uh, excuse me a decent discount from the standard going rate on teasers And if we look at the handicaps here, Kansas City, two factors that have me bullish on them to win outright on Sunday. First up, the rest advantage, the Chiefs on 10 days of rest, their second straight home game after hosting Denver on Thursday night last week. And then the Chargers coming in with a short week, just six days of rest off that Monday night loss to Dallas. And then they're on the road as well after a Monday nighter that went down to the wire in addition to the rest factor here, the team profile has really popped to me. Kansas City doesn't always blow teams out the way that we'd expect, but they consistently find ways to win. And if anybody's seen the Chargers play anytime in the last 20 years or so, you probably know that they love close games and consistently find ways to lose. So I like the Chiefs odds of at least winning this one outright, even if they don't cover the spread. And similarly with San Francisco's prospects of winning outright, a couple of factors here. One, injuries. I know there's been a lot to look into with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and Trent Williams. None of those three practiced for San Francisco today after suffering injuries in Cleveland last week. But I think some of this could be precautionary. It seems like overall news has been more optimistic than some of us might have feared when that game went final last Sunday in Cleveland. And for their part, the Vikings are dealing with some key injuries on both sides of the ball as well. We know Justin Jefferson's on IR. And then defensively, they're also going to be without key defensive end. Marcus Davenport, so I don't think injuries are necessarily going to be a huge negative for San Francisco, relatively speaking, in this matchup, and then when I think about the conditions in a dome in Minnesota compared to the nasty Cleveland weather last Sunday, mm-hmm. I think that could bode well for a bounce-back performance from Brock Purdy, so once again, this is a money line Parlay, Kansas City to win at home against the Chargers paired with San Francisco to win at Minnesota, consider it good up to minus 115. Tej, any thoughts on that one backing the Chiefs and the Niners?
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, to, to go against your own team here in the Chargers, I think that shows how you can separate the, the head and the heart uh, and as an analyst here, which I think is really impressive and something I struggle with sometimes. But I mean, yeah, I, I really like the the Chiefs in that spot. I mean, just when you look at the way that the Chargers defense has played this year, how susceptible they've been to giving up explosive plays and how that explosives has really been the key that's missing to the Chiefs offense this season. They've they've ran the ball pretty well with Isaiah Pacheco. And then obviously the pass game, especially when throwing to Travis Kelsey, is is always going to be uh pretty high end. But like I think I think this could be a, a pretty big game for the Chiefs pass offense and maybe even the secondary receivers step up in this game as well. And then yeah, I mean the, the 49ers. Vikings game should be a pretty fun one to have on Monday night, but without Justin Jefferson, I think that this Vikings offense is going to struggle to have much of an advantage over the 49ers defense. And when you have the the 49ers, the linebackers that the 49ers have, and they can match up on Hawkinson who's who would be, who is going to be the primary receiving target in this game because of no Jefferson, that's where your, your edge really gets to, to um, get smaller there. So I, I really like that money line parlay from you.
0: Glad we're seeing eye to eye. I'm inclined to push back a bit when you say that Hawkinson will slot in as Minnesota's go-to receiver as a USC grad, Jordan Addison is a guy that I would like to see do some good things, but nevertheless, to your point, the San Francisco defense can really put the clamps down on just how much of a ceiling the Vikings will have offensively on Monday night.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that's true. I think, I think Addison's played pretty well this year. Osborne has as well. And like the thing, the thing with Hawkinson is when like we were projecting out his target share without Jefferson, like we did have Hawkinson as the highest, uh, like when you kind of distribute the the targets from uh, a no Jefferson-led team. But, you know, some of the things that might be missed in like that model, for example, is like the way that they're they're kind of slotting Osborne and, and Addison in their, their pass catcher group where they were number two and number three receivers before and now going to number one. So I, I'm very curious to see like what the Vikings end up doing with, without Jefferson for these next couple of weeks. And then if he comes back this season and and ends up playing with, with like where they're at from a record standpoint.
0: Yeah, plenty to look out for. And I will say that we've covered plenty of good ground thus far when it comes to sides, teasers, a prop, and even a money line parlay for the first time this season. We will give a recap shortly so that everybody can get a rundown of all of our picks in one place. First, I'll remind everybody that this season I'm partnering with the team over at Right Angle Sports in an affiliate capacity, and when I thought about why or why not to enter into a partnership like this, I know that for all of us, betting is fun. That's why we're here, and at the same time, winning is really hard. So where I try to add value with this show is to highlight the best information from the sharpest sources, and with a team of pro sports bettors, Right Angle Sports has built a reputation as the gold standard for picks. They've got something for everybody from the NFL to now their college basketball flagship service also being available. And if you're interested in testing out their pick service, you can support Props and Hops by supporting Right Angle Sports. I've created a custom link to do so. That would be tinyurl.com raspicks. And if you're with us in YouTube or podcast form, that link is in the show notes. If you're with us on Twitter, you can find that link in the profile bio. And Tej, to dovetail that little promo with the team at Right Angle Sports, I got a good question from a friend of the show, Adam Chernoff, who works at Right Angle. When he knew that you would be the guest this week, he wanted to dig in a little bit to the low scoring environment that we're seeing this season. And I think that it's interesting as we enter week seven to try to decipher how much of this year's low scoring environment could be signal versus noise do you have much of a point of view when it comes to league wide unders that we're seeing? And specifically it seems like red zone defense that so far has been quite an outlier. How are you making heads or tails of the scoring environment so far this season?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question from Adam. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of everything right angle sports does from, from what I've heard about them. Um, but yeah, like I, I looked at it from two perspectives, the the red zone angle, like you mentioned, and then I just wanted to see if overall possessions were down in general. So Overall possessions are actually not down league-wide. You know, we are seeing that with college this year, obviously with the new clock rule, but we're not seeing that with the NFL because there hasn't been any particular rule change. Since there There was an era between like 2003 and and 2012, 2013, where there were upwards of 24, 25 possessions a game. Now we're, we've been sitting at around 23 possessions a game for the past couple of years. So, you know, we, total possessions has gone down about, about one or two. So, so four to 8%, which is interesting, but like you brought up red zone uh, efficiency is down in general from 2018 to 2022, we had um, five straight years of positive EPA in the red zone from offenses we think about all the things that the Packers were doing with Devontae Adams and different offenses were doing around the league to to scheme players open in the red zone and and score in those environments and that seems to be lost a little bit in offenses this year there, the offenses so far have a negative EPA in the red zone this season uh the success rate has dropped from 44% last year to 42% this year so we can see some of the the regression in the red zone i see red zone as some signal, but also somewhat random. So we can hopefully expect some positive regression in that regard, but it does seem to be scoring is, is just down this season because of the way that defenses are kind of fighting back of, of these innovative offenses.
0: Some good tidbits there to indicate where there's some signal to this, but also realizing it can be a bit noisy as well. And one of my takeaways is, is to be relieved that I don't bet much when it comes to totals. And we have, covered some bets when it comes to sides teasers props and a money line parlay this week i'll give a quick rundown that we can consider the props and hops nfl week seven portfolio here as far as sides go Tej on cleveland minus three at indianapolis i'm on tage's beloved lions plus three at minus 115 at baltimore consider that one good up to minus 120 vig catching a field goal with detroit when it comes to teasers Tej likes buffalo down to minus two and a half at New England, paired with Miami, up to plus eight and a half at Philadelphia. I also like Buffalo, and I'm pairing them with Seattle, down to minus one and a half, hosting Arizona. So feel free to pick your favorite two-teamer between those options or a three-team teaser, getting six points, good up to plus 160. You could go with Buffalo, Miami, and Seattle. When it comes to props, one this week, Tej broke down Najee Harris under 51 and a half, rushing yards for Pittsburgh at the Rams. And I threw in a bonus Moneyline Parlay, Kansas City and San Francisco to win outright. Consider that good up to minus 115.